We were not brought here on slave ships. That's not economically sound. This what do you mean? Sense. Uh, so when Christopher Columbus got here, one of the, well, Christopher Columbus got to the Caribbean, uh, according to a primary source, right. they basically said the first thing he did was take slaves. He didn't bring slaves. He took slaves from the island. He captured people and he captured people and he captured people. You know, as a um, full Nigerian, have you ever heard any like ethnic stories, like Nigerian stories about people getting robbed by white people? Like, 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 I mean, <laughs> stolen and brought across to another land. Like, like, do you, have you ever heard an oral tradition? Like, don't go out into the fucking by the river at night because you can get jump by the white man and he'll bring you on a boat across the water. I never heard any of that. All I heard, like my father would tell me stories, just Nigerian proverbs and stuff that it relate to just Africa. Right, but then so, so there was never any proverbs or anything that related to, because like if there were millions, right? Right. Millions of black people that were so-called taken away from their people, right? Now, as wise as we are with proverbs, right? Like we tell yeah. proverbs to, to, to teach lessons and shit, right? So wouldn't you want to teach a lesson so that your people would not be stolen and shit like that? You see what I'm saying? Wouldn't right, of course, hell yeah. Some sort of African proverb that dealt with um, Being, not getting kidnapped by the white yeah. man. Right because he'll take you over there on a boat or some shit like that. I'm saying, have you heard of a story, any, pick one, any story of a war that took place where some of your kinfolk was captured and brought over to another landman? No, 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 no. Welcome to Real Black Consciousness Forum Podcast. This is Big BJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about some history, right? We are going to talk about some history. We're going to go back in time a little bit. And then, of course, you know, when we talk about history or his story, we're going to have to start talking about our story because our story matters just as well, right? We're going to center everything around the podcast. And um, as you can see or hear the clip, that's from a um, a rapper. I think that's the uh, the Yada Ming podcast. Um, is hosted and ran by former rap artist Lord Jamar. He was in a group back in the day called Brand Nubian, right? He's a former hip-hop artist. And uh, the guest that he had on the show is a comedian, Godfrey. Godfrey is... Uh, Godfrey is a Nigerian, and he represents the tribe of Igbo, right? If I'm not mistaken, it's Igbo. And as you guys can see and or hear, you know, when he had the brother on the podcast, he hit him with a question. He was like, yo, um, have you guys ever heard, in short, you know, Lord Jamar is straight up asking him, like, yo, have you ever heard of the slave trade? Have you ever heard of this slave trade story? Have you, you know, do you guys got any proverbs in your family where they talk about devils kidnapping original men and women and bringing them across the water and throwing them on boats and doing this and that? Or do you got any proverbs to tell you to be aware of the devil because you may get kidnapped? A, B, and C. And the response, of course, that we all heard from the Nigerian Igbo brother was nah. He's like, yo, my family, we never talked about that. I never heard about that, right? In short, what he was saying, like, I never heard of these slave stories until I got to America. Like, I never, we never heard this stuff back in Nigeria. We never heard about it. We never talked about it, right? Um, oddly enough, you know, that statement pissed off a lot of Pan-African brothers. It pissed off a lot of Afrocentric brothers because, you know, they like, yo, man, why, how did he not know? And 
he should have said that and now they're going to go into their whole song and dance oh he's just a comedian man he don't know no better he's not no historian he have no idea blase 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 the deeper value to what he said godfrey the comedian from nigeria the celebrity is that when it comes to the american negro see our family is the same as his family way over in nigeria if the truth be told when it comes to the american negro 99.9% of us identify with what Godfrey said because our families, if we stand up and be bold, just be bold, have some heart, have some kahunas, as they say, right? <laughs> if we just stand up and be bold, we didn't get that story in our family line either. Big Mama never gave us that story. We don't have that in our proverbs. We don't have that in our family line. We don't have it. Nobody got a slave ship story. But whence does this slave ship story come from? Because, you know, we can just point the finger at the comedian and say, well, he don't know no better. Right. But at the very same time, we don't. If we honest with ourselves, we don't have that story neither. And more often than not, as we say on this podcast, when you hear our people talking about, and I'm talking about the American Negro, when you hear our people talking about the slave trade and ships and boats and all that, they got that from a book. They did not get that from the family line. They not. They're holding on to what they learned in the book. If you take the book away, there is no slave story no more. All you got is your family story. But you know, we want to look like we got so much knowledge and so much information. And then the truth of the matter is that the American Negro, he's monkey see, monkey do. He, he likes to regurgitate what the devil says. He gets a kick out of that. He, that's what he calls a credible source. When you start seeing Negroes talking about they got a credible source, that's their way of saying they know how to repeat what devil say. And they can do it to the best of their ability. It's in their heart. And this same American Negro who would try to correct Godfrey for not knowing, right? He would come back and correct you and I for not believing the story that he just somehow want to believe. He never questioned the story. He never gave you no pushback. It's so scary, right, that the American Negro, no matter how much these slave stories don't make no sense, he would make it make sense. It don't make any sense. He will make it make sense to him. And then he'll look at you and I like something is wrong with us. And when we start telling him, beloved, we know our brothers and sisters and cousins from Africa. We know that there were some that did indeed come over on a slave ship. We know that happened. But the way that they're telling you that it happened. No, it didn't happen like that. That's number one. And the amount of people that they said that they brought over here, we know for sure, no, that didn't happen like that. But this American Negro who is lazy, right? And the reason why I say lazy is this. He will read that book before he listened to his own family line. Because the American Negro knows this. Deep down inside, he knows if he start going back in that genealogy, he know he can keep going back and back and back or she can keep going back and back and back. And they already know before they even look, they know ain't no slave ship there. They already know it. They already know all these crazy sex farm slave stories and the plantation with the mama was sleeping with the son and all of this. They know that's not in their line either. But our people love being the victim because the devil said being the victim is cool. So anything that'll put us in a victim state, we're going to get it. We're going to champion it. You know, that's why we love the Democrats so much, you know, because those Democrats let our people be victims. Every time you look up, there's something going on. There's some victim mentality stuff. And we eat that up because we love, you know, being the, you know, we going through the plight and we're downtrodden and we got to come out of the. Yeah, that bop, 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 you know, that stuff that we've been saying for years. But maybe that's a different story for a different day. Right. Dig this. Right. Because I, I just got to just. We're going to touch on a few topics, right? We're going to touch on a few. And um, 
I want to dig a little deeper into what Godfrey said, right? Because he's a Nigerian and he's from the tribe of Igbo. And you got, you know, believe it or not, you got American Negroes who say that they have African ancestry, right? They can't point one single person out in their whole family line that's from Africa. They can go back five generations or maybe 10 generations and no matter what. And then when they can't find somebody from the African line, then they, they get into this whole, so, you know, no, none of us can really do it. You know, it can't nobody really go back in their line and find this and find that. And can't nobody really do this. Can't nobody really find that. And he doesn't even really paying attention to what he's saying. Hey, look, beloved, if you can't go back and find nothing and your neighbor can't go back and find nothing. And then your cousin on your mama's side can't find nothing. And then your cousin on your daddy's side can't find nothing. And then your co-workers can't find nothing. And then your students ain't can't find nothing. How come you still holding on to something? Oh, that's right. The devil gave it to me in the book, so I got to make it make sense. Yeah, okay, I get it. But let's go back to the Godfrey comment. Let's go back to the Godfrey comment, right? Godfrey said him as an Igbo. He's in the tribe of Igbo. And it's some American Negroes running around saying that they think that they're Igbo too, right? Imagine that. He said, like, yo, as one of the biggest tribes in Nigeria, he like, nah, I still ain't never heard this story before. Now, we got to just really, really think what the devil told us, right? We got to really, really think about it. The devil told us that there was wars going on in Africa, in West Africa, and one African tribe was warring against another African tribe, right? Let's stop right there. Let's break that down. What is war? Because it's important that we establish what war is. And then the devil, right, while we're going into that, the devil said that this process started in the 1500s, right, because this is when he began his slave trade. And then it went all the way up to the 1900s. So you got four centuries, right? Dig that. Four centuries of war going on on West Africa and one tribe is selling another tribe. So when we start talking about war, that means daddies is being killed. Granddads is being killed. Grandmoms is being killed. Brothers and sisters and children are being killed. Right. I want to make that perfectly clear. They are being killed for 400 years straight. The Ashanti tribe is killing the Ifa. The Ifa is killing the Yoruba. The Yoruba is killing the uh, I don't know, Hassa. The Hassa is killing the Mandingo. They're all going in war to sell the survivors of these wars to the Portuguese. And on top of these Africans going in with war with one another, then you got the Portuguese having wars with the native Africa. Then the British having wars with the native. So it's just a bunch of war and killing and everything is going on. And after these 400 years of bloodshed and war and betrayal and treachery, and selling your brother off to the devil. After 400 years of that consistently. A brother would get on a large platform. And say I never heard of the story before. <laughs> and instead of us blaming him. How about saying. Maybe it didn't happen like the devil told us it happened. Because I don't know no landmass that can have 400 years of bloodshed and they can forget overnight. You know, my mind worked like this. Like, if all these tribes, these West African tribes, were selling each other like the devil told us that they was, it should be a time in history where we can kind of look at their peace treaties from one tribe to another. Like, we should be able to watch the Ashanti make peace with the, you know, uh, people from the Dahomey tribe. And then the Dahomey, you know, making peace with the Hassa. And the Hassa making peace with the Ifa. You know what I'm saying? The Ifa making peace with the Masa, right? Whatever these tribes, whatever these names is over there. Whatever it is. You should see treaties go on where they piece it up and they build and they love each other as just their complexion. Just black people. Because they once sold and traded each other. It's, it's kind of like, it's funny, it's like, you know, they're put on this grand stage sometimes like, yo, we apologize to the American Negro, or we sold y'all off. But the whole story is, yo, y'all killed each other. This is how they told us. Y'all was killing each other first. And then after y'all was killing each other, then y'all start to sell your people off to the devil, and the devil brought us to the Americas. So these stories, is just, but if all of that happened like they said it happened, 
I can't see how everybody is so kumbaya all of a sudden over there. Yo, can you imagine this, right? Let's let's bring it back to the American Negro. You know, that's like the GDs and the Moles and the Vice Lords, because I'm thinking about it at a very violent tribal state, right? Because when you start talking about tribes warring with one another, the closest example that we would have for that in the Americas is gang life, right? Because we're talking about, you know, we're talking about getting to the bag, right? So that's what the slave trade is, is getting to the bag, is getting to power, is getting to wealth, getting to resources. So you have to think on a savage level because you got to be at a savage level to be a West African and sell your people and kill your people for 400 years straight, right, to devils. In the Americas, though, just think about the street gangs that we have. Bloods and Crips and Pyrus and Latin Kings and, you know, the list can go on and on about how we break it down in certain cities. And it may not be a um, official gang organization, but it'd be like, you know, this hood beef with that hood. Like in the city of Detroit, we know we may have seven mile, may have an issue with six mile and the six mile may have an issue with Finkel and Finkel may have an issue with my neighborhood, which is Plymouth and Plymouth may have a neighborhood with Jay Roder. It's like, it's a hood thing when you get to the, some of these cities in the Midwest. But I'm just talking about like tribal beefs. When blood hit that street, beloved, when a partner die, you know what I'm saying, that's out there riding with you, that war can go on for another 20 years between you and another rival neighborhood or whatever the case may be. Uh, These guys can be five or 10 years over somebody getting a chain snatch. I'm talking about in the wilderness of North America. Somebody getting a chain snatch. Somebody get a coat snatch. You know, somebody, brother and sister being shot. This can this beef can go on 20 to 25 years just over that. Okay, okay. How much more will the beef be if somebody sold your mama? Somebody sold your baby sister. Somebody sold your auntie. You come back, all three of your baby brothers, they gone, and your sister, your whole family gone because the rival tribe sold them off to somebody else. That war should go. That you would never forget that. But we could kind of talk to these. African Negroes that's on a celebrity level and they they don't see it like that. It's like, no, nah, we don't even even this. There's a guy named uh, Akon and he was being interviewed by a devil uh, named Vlad. And, he, you know, he's he's from Senegal and he talks about his, you know, his uh, his family line and this, that and the third. And, they, and the devil straight up asked him, yo. What y'all do about slavery over there in Senegal? Y'all talk about slavery? He was like, no, nah, we don't talk about it. Then he kind of chuckled a little bit. He's like, yeah, well, you know, when they go down to the island, you know, because they got the dungeon. Yeah, when you get a tour to the slave dungeon, they talk about it because they're selling, you know, they got American Negroes going over there and then they, they selling you through a tour. Hey, man, you was here first and then they sent you over there. Truth be told, those chiefs in Senegal, when them devils left on that ship, they ain't know where you went. They, they could have turned back around and went to uh, South Africa, they could have took the ship up further enough to Morocco. They could have took the ship back up to Spain. They don't know where you went. But that's folks that got common sense. You can get the American Negro over there and you can make a fool out of him because he just wants to be from somewhere. The American Negro want to be everybody he's not. You can sell on. You can sell our people on being who they're not. So you can get the American Negro and then he, he, he's a hero today. And then... Because we got that in our bloodline. So everybody can be a hero today. Then everybody can be a more tomorrow because we got that in our bloodline. And then everybody can be, we just pick up new tribes as we go along. You know what I'm saying? Now we're kind of riding on the back of the coattail of the Red Indian tribes instead of just being who we are. Strong, powerful, soul people, the American Negro. We don't want to do that. A mixed breeded people and new species. We don't want to do that. So the world makes a fool out of us. So dig this. We got to ask ourselves if the Nigerian don't have the story and his family line is no proverbs for him. And then if we be honest with ourselves, the American Negro, I don't care where you from. We don't have that in our family line either. Again, we got to ask ourselves where are we getting this information from. And we're getting it from American Negroes that's teaching other American Negroes that they came from Africa, right? So if you can look at the screen, we got African-American studies, 
and uh it's just a wikipedia search so wikipedia is not nothing real scholarly or nothing like that but what it is though is it's just a good little source to look up names here and there and just kind of like we're just going to have a lightweight conversation today right african-american studies was invented did you hear that it was invented they invented it they made it up it was made up in the 20th century Right. This is when it come about. And even if we look here on Wikipedia and um, when we talk about it, it says that come down maybe to the one. Let's go down to the second paragraph. It says that extensive academic efforts to reconstruct. Right. Dig that. African-American history began in the late 19th century with who? W.B. Du Bois with the uh, a piece that he put together called the suppression of the African slave trade to the United States of America. And then it goes over to the 20th century with Carter G. Woodson, who was an original man, Herbert Affiker, who's a Jew, Melville Hortzvitz, who's a Jew. And then it goes to Lorenzo Dow Turner, who's a brother out there in Frisco. I think he talks about the gully language. Now dig this. Our people been here for such of a period of time that there's no record for it there's not a record in the americas when the original man was here they got no date when we was brought here but if you kind of talk to afrocentric guys it's kind of weird how they kind of play it because see the devil have made the americas off limits to the original man so when you're talking like to afrocentric guys it's a pattern if you start talking about europe they'd be like yo man you know the first uh, black people in Britain, you know, you know, Britain had, you know, British had the first black people. And, you know, uh, it, you know, the, the original man, you know, the black man was in Germany before anybody else. And the, the, the black man, the, the original Italian, the original black Greek, you know, the, everybody was really black in Europe. And then blase, blase. And then, of course, the black continent, Africa, everybody that was there was originally black. And then we talk about Arabia. Everybody was uh, originally there was black. And then we talk about India. Everybody, you know, that was originally there was black. It's a pattern. We talk about the Asian world, even so far down to China. You know, brother, if you don't know this, brother, you know, the first Chinese man was a black man. The first man, you know, the original man was the first man in China. And you know what? Okay, okay, okay. I'm cool with all that. But they got these Afrocentric, a.k.a. Pan-African guys trained when it comes to the Americas. No, no, no. The devil had to bring you here. How does that work? Seven continents use the first on all five. Let you tell it when it comes to the two in the West. No, 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 no. The devil had to bring you over here. You got it at the bottom of a ship. <laughs> and then you say, well, how did you know we came here on the bottom of a ship? Yeah, because the devil told me that's how it happened. Yo, but dig this. When it comes to the invention of African-American studies, there's one guy, his name is left off the list. His name is James Turner. We're going to talk about him a little later, right? But I'm going to show you how this history, African-American history, was reconstructed, right? It started off like the uh, Wikipedia says in the late 19th century with an individual. His name is W.B. Du Bois, right? Now, you're going to always notice that when it comes to black history, whether it's film or book projects or documentaries, Jews is always involved. When it comes to breaking down that our people came from Africa on the slave ship, more often than not, the guy behind that story that's telling the story is a Jew. Right. So when the invention of African-American studies came about in the wilderness of North America, you know, we're not even smart enough to ask ourselves, why is Herbert and Melville named it? Like, how do they know anything about? American Negro history, like how do they know? They're Jews. If that makes sense to you, that's just like me. Like I'm helping write Jewish history as an original man. They'll never let you do that. Those people are too smart for that. I can't write Turkish history. You know, I just can't. I can't write Palestinian history. They won't allow me. No Palestinian is going to listen to me tell them about the history. I can't write Iraqi history. The people of Iraq been there for over five thousand years, bro. 5,000 years, sis. I can't get them their history. I wasn't. How can I do that? Those people are not stupid enough to go for that. The American Negro, unfortunately, is stupid enough to let everybody else tell him who he is. 
listen, the game is so cold. See, you're not on the genealogy game because you know if you play the genealogy game, these stories that they give you is not going to match up. You know it, man. If you stop being lazy and just do the, the, the footwork and the groundwork and find out who your people is, talk to your great-granddad, talk to Big Mama, sit down and talk to your family, you can see what it is. You don't want to do that. You want it from a book, right? You want it from a book. And they need to have you just like that because if I can, look, if I can teach you anything and then you believe anything, I can sell you anything, right? We're going to come back to that. WB the boys though, right? What we can say about him is he's brilliant. Um he's ahead of his time. He he's like he's he's ahead of his time. I had to read The Souls of Black Folk. Man, I had to read that like four times to understand it the first time. Because it was just he he talking big words, right? So, you know, you read it one time and then you um you have to read it again. And then to make a little bit more sense, you had to read it again. Then you had to read it again for it to make. You had to kind of keep reading that book because the guy was he was brilliant. He had a brilliant mind. He had a large vocabulary. You had to play catch up when he's talking. W. B. Du Bois, though, he was the first original man on paper to say that there was a hundred million Africans involved in the slave trade. He was the first, right? Dig that. Now, you got to let that breathe because we're talking about the invention of African-American studies. This is why you got the slave story, but the Nigerian ain't got it. I think that went over your head. I got to take my time with this. You had a man, W.E.B. Du Bois, peace be upon him, well-respected, brilliant black man. He was the first that I can recall that told other black people that a hundred million Dig that number. 100 million Africans was involved in the slave trade coming to the Americas and nobody questioned where did he get those numbers from. If that's not extensive academic efforts to reconstruct some history, I don't know what is. We don't question why are two Jews involved in creating African-American studies. Herbert was the guy that talked about he gave you all the slave stories from North America. They, they did a tag team. Melville, who's the other Jew, he told you about all the slave stories that came in Central America and South America. Both of them gave you the slave ship story. The guy that topped it off was another Jew. His name was Harold Corlander. He wrote, um, it was a piece in 19, either 67 or 77. He wrote a book called The African. That's that's the guy that Alex Haley swagger jacked his story. And you thought Roots was a real piece of history. He swagger jacked the story. He, yo, that Roots story doesn't work without Kunta Kinte. And then you watch, you know, you think that Kunta Kinte was a real live person in Alex Haley life. He swagger jacked the story. He swagger jacked the language. He swagger jacked what happened. He got that slave ship story from a Jew. Then he repackaged it and he gave it to you. And you made that your story now. But dig this. If I can teach you anything. And you believe anything. I can always come to you as the American Negro. And I can sell you anything. And believe it or not. When you see these guys of old. They're connected with somebody in today's time. That's the real hustle. So when you start to see W.E.B. Du Bois, when he wrote that piece, The Suppression of the African Slave Trade to the United States. Yo, let me show you the connection. Hold on. Let me show you the connection. Watch this. Okay. We can go on Google Books and take a look at it, right? This is the suppression of the African slave trade. You see the photo of W.E.B. Du Bois, right? That's him in the center. You see the introduction. Hartman is there. You see the title again, the suppression of the African slave trade to the United States of America, 1638 to 1870, right? Okay. Real quick, I want to I want to say this piece as well. In 1619, 
they talk about the 20 and some odd Negroes that came to the Americas. They later say African. They, they, they switch it up from Negroes to African. Well, really, it said the official, official document said 20 and some odd niggas. And then that 20 and some odd niggas went to 20 and some odd Negroes. And then that 20 and some odd Negroes got flipped to 20 and some odd Africans. So you can see in real time, these folks is replacing every document that say Negro. They switching it up and they changing it to African. Right. But maybe that's a different story for a different day. By the 1600s. They want us to believe that 900,000 slaves from Africa was already brought to Central America, South America, and the islands by 1600. Now, they just taught us, the same people, just taught us that they didn't even know this place in the West even existed. They didn't find it to 1492. I'm talking about the Americas, period. So let's do the quick math. 1492 plus 8 is 1500. In a 100-year time frame, less than 100 years actually, they want us to believe that 900,000 people got on wood, dig this, wooden slave ships, wooden, and they sailed from West Africa to the New World and they forcibly removed 900,000 people in less than 100 years. Nobody's stupid enough to believe that but the American Negro. But let's go back to um let's go back to the suppression of the African slave trade by W.B. Du Bois. When you go look at the book and again, it's digital, you can find it on Google. When you scroll down though, and see who's the editor of the book, there's your connection to the modern day. It's a gentleman named Henry Louis Gates Jr., who's the editor of the W.E.B. Du Bois project, right? His piece that he put together. You got to ask yourself, how does that happen? How do these two people get connected? Here you got W.E.B. Du Bois now, who told our people, a hundred million of us came over in the African slave trade. But he was on a high level. There was another guy that came along. And this teacher, he moved amongst us. Peace be upon him. His name is Dr. Henry Clark. And when he was around, he was more on a common level. You know, W.B. Du Bois is at the top of the food chain. And he coming earlier in the 1900s. The guy that comes in the late 1900s that's beating the same drum, right? Everybody's from Africa. That's a Negro. Was a guy named Dr. Henry Clark. And all of these guys be having PhDs by their name, Dr. This, Dr. That. This guy got a master's degree. They from some devil university somewhere and they get this information. They come back to us. Right. And then they, it's, it's almost like it's a it's a pattern. It's one American Negro. He's put in a position to tell an, another American Negro that he's from Africa. But the guy that's telling you that his own genealogy got nothing to do with nobody coming off the ship. I don't care how far you go back. So you can have a guy today. He can stand in front of you and say, yo, I can't go. Now, you know. 2021, 2015, you know, 2010, whatever. He can go back and say, you know, I can't find nobody in my genealogy that's from Africa. But you can go back to another gentleman that lived in the 1800s. He can't find nobody in his genealogy that came from Africa. And then you can go back. But maybe that's a different story of a different day. Do you see the connection? Henry Gates is the guy, the present guy in today's time, that his job is to run around and tell the American Negro that he's from Africa and he got a spin to his they don't talk about the 100 million Africans that came over on the slave ship no more they updated it they say 12 million a day now how do you lose 88 million people for over 100 years you've been walking around in the community telling everybody that walk talk and listen to anything about African American history that yo a hundred million people came in the slave trade. And then you put this new guy in front of us, Henry Lewis Gates Jr., who just so happened to be an editor for WB Du Bois. It's 12 million. And nobody just kind of like give us the update of what happened or what went wrong, how you miscounted the other 88 million. They don't do that. But they don't have to do that to the American Negro. Nobody owes you an explanation because you're nobody. All you're going to do is regurgitate what we tell you because that's your place. You're our boy. You're not here. You don't question me. 
You question the person that's telling you something different than what I'm telling you. Nobody has brought up that 88 million people just disappeared all of a sudden. Yo, what happened to the 88 million? You told me that for over 100 years. They don't owe you an explanation. But that's the connection. That's the connection. That's what Lewis Gates is doing. And not only is he doing that, he is doing something that's very damaging. On our next conversation, we're going to talk about DNA. We're going to talk about DNA. We're going to get a breakdown of how that works. And I'm going to show you guys that these guys know better and they're doing this on purpose now. In order for me to have a conversation with you about DNA, I got to show you how they all connected first. You got to see the bigger pattern. Here's the pattern. Once again, if somebody's in front of you, and he's calling himself a black leader. In order for him to be a black leader, he's not going to get any steam, gain any momentum unless he tells you you from somewhere else. He's looking at one American Negro is put in position to tell the other American Negro that he's from Africa. That's the hustle. And they're all connected. And they're all like, it's like they reinvent themselves through each other. Henry Louis Gates is reinventing himself through W. He's the new W.E.B. Du Bois. Yo, I do you another one better, right? You think I'm bugging. It's a guy named James Turner, right? Um, I'm not exactly sure if James Turner is still amongst us. Right. James Turner is the founding director of Africana Studies. It didn't exist. He made it up. He came up with it in the late 60s. Right. Story goes is that the students was thirsty for knowledge. They was thirsty for information. And the messenger said that if you come to the people and they're thirsty, they'll drink that dirty water if they're thirsty. But if you provide them with the clean water, the clean glass. You know what I'm saying? And you let them choose on themselves. Our people would choose the clean glass of water. Those that we have that have been coming in front of us been bringing that dirty glass of water to our people for as long as I can remember. For as long as it's been recorded, they've been doing this. Brother Turner, though, right? Director of African Studies and the Research Center. Again, he found it in the 60s. It did not exist. The people, the students, I should say, at his time was thirsty. They, they didn't want no more of that, that, that brown, that dirty water. They wanted something real. They wanted a black studies program at their school. They wanted a black, they wanted to know about their history. So our original history would be people going around interviewing your big mama, my big mama, our other partner, Big Mama, everybody's Big Mama get interviewed about what was going on with their, um, uh, as far as their reality in America. Our great grandfather, we get all the stories together and we put them in a book and we teach them in a curriculum. Our stories. No, that's not what happened. When the students began to protest so much so that they began, began to riot about them wanting a black studies program. James Turner came up with an African studies and taught our people and put that in the curriculum that they came from somewhere else. Today, again, I don't know if James Turner is still here, if the brother's passed away, he's still living, but he got an understudy. He got his own connection. Just like Louis Gates is the new W.E.B. Du Bois, there's a gentleman named, his name is Jabari, uh, I think it's Jabari Ozils, Ozils or something like that. He's on a guy named uh, Sonetta's platform all the time. And he's an original man. He's an American Negro. But he, again, it's the pattern. He's an American Negro that's put in front of you and I to teach you and I that we came from somewhere else. And he walks around with an onk. And, you know, he, he got a big onk. And he say he's a Kemet priest. And he, he goes to this African country and that African country. And, he, and, yo, that is the reoccurring theme, man. Our people can't see it, though, but that's the reoccurring hustle. You don't understand this, beloved. Dig this. And I, I, I can't say this enough. If I can teach you and you can believe something, I can sell you anything. You know how much, listen, Pan-Africans, uh, maybe I should say it this way, Afrocentric 
studies, material, clothing, garb, that whole, that is a multi-million dollar business, whether you know it or not. That's a, you can step into that lane. If you jump up and act like you're a black leader, the stamp that you're going to have, all you got to do is tell your people they're from somewhere else. And you're going to get larger than life. The only person I can see that's building a pretty decent following and he's connecting with a lot of the youth, middle-aged, older people, is a brother named Tariq Nasheed. It's a brother named Tariq Nasheed. He's the only guy that said, no, no, no. All of us didn't come from Africa. Like, no, no. Some of our people was already here. But then, you know, Tariq Nasheed, though, he kind of see his background is from Alabama. Just like myself. You know, my background, my family's from Alabama. Many of us with families from Alabama, we know better. You know, we are a hey, look, our big mamas know that they wasn't from nowhere. Like, it's not like you ain't pulling that wool over our head. Like, we know better. Yo, check this out. When you start talking to people like from Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, like, you know, our family is so deep south that they know better. Like, no, nah, no. That's not it, you know. You can, you can kind of play on them a little bit for no disrespect, but you can kind of play when they're from the Carolinas and Virginia because they are that coast. You kind of play on them. Yeah, your family care for slave ship, blase, blase. And they kind of like go for that a little bit. But when you start getting deep south, Tennessee, Bama, Mississippi, you know what I'm saying, Louisiana, you be like, you know, Georgia, be like, mm. Yo, I love all my people, right? I love all the American Negroes. Maybe that's a different story for a different day. He's the only guy that I've seen get notoriety, and he don't play that everybody came from Africa game, right? You know, it's interesting to see how everything play out with his career. But Dig, though, the guy, Jabrari, he's the new James Turner. In fact, James, that was his teacher. James Turner was his teacher. And again, being Afrocentric, that's a multi-million dollar business. Yo, can you imagine how many of our people, yo, how many people would lose jobs if they, because they tell you it's black studies. But the black studies program is putting a bunch of American Negroes in a classroom and teaching them about somebody from over the Atlantic. They don't know nothing about the people from here. No, they don't know anything, right? But look. You got all of these books, this Afrocentric books. You got these clothing. You got these medallions. Man, you know, you got these brothers getting tattoos of unks on them. And, you know, they, they're change, They're going out to the devil's government. They're changing their name. You know, their name was uh John Jenkins. And then their name was, you know, Jamarcus Brooks. And now he's Kwame this, you know what I'm saying? And his name, yo, it's a, it's a big business. It's a multi-million dollar business. You know what I'm saying? When you start saying, yo, dig this. If I was here to hustle you, I wouldn't be here to tell you, yo, your people from already here. There's no money in that. Because how can I sell you? You from Cleveland, bro. How can I sell you on being a better Clevelandite? How can I sell you on being a better Detroiter? Yo, you, your people from Detroit. Your people from Alabama. Ain't nothing exotic about that. I can't sell you nothing now. So what some of our people do with this knowledge, they twist it a little bit and try to make it look like everybody in America was all Negroes. They act like the red man wasn't here. They act like the Mexican wasn't here. They play that game a little bit. So they say, yo, they still in your real tribes. And then you got some of our people with, with a little knowledge, knowing that there was Negro Indians, they can they can kind of pluff up the story, uh, uh, you know, blow it up a little bit to make it look like that everybody was really all of us was really here. All the real indigenous tribes was ours. And now they got American Negroes acting like they Lakota and they from Cheyenne and they the Wyoming Indians and all. And they got us stealing people culture because they know because they know they got enough truth to tell you that you was here. And then they play it alone because they got to sell you something. I'm going to sell you a genealogy book in a minute. I'm going to sell you a coffee mug in a minute. I'm going to put you on one of these funny style tours in a minute. Even even. The American Negro that knows we was always here, if you're not careful, he'll take advantage of you. But then I could sell you Hebrewism. How much money is that worth? You, you see what I'm saying? I, I, I've been selling you guys dashikis and kente cloths and hats for I don't know how many, over a century now I've been selling you this to you. I got... I got, listen, I got classrooms in the schoolhouse that you go to to learn. Somebody's writing these books. Publishing companies to get money off you not knowing. Yo, yo, check this out. 
I'm gonna show you something that's bugged out. Something very simple, man. And we're gonna close out because dig. Everybody is connected, is what I want you to see. That spirit of old. All you got to do is take that spirit of old that ran around and told everybody to go back to Africa. That's the same spirit of today, right? Yo, check this out. It's a guy named back in the day, uh, peace be upon him. His name was uh, the Honorable Marcus Garvey, right? Marcus Garvey was an American Negro from the islands. Whole family lineage from the islands. He got his studying in London. That's the part of his story they leave out. He got his studying in London. And then when he came back to the Americas, he was on this kick that everybody needed to go back to Africa. Now, he himself is, he's not from Africa. He was an American. His roots was fully rooted in the Caribbeans. He's, he's from the Americas. But he called himself, what did he, he had a little name for himself. He's called himself the provisional, <laughs> it was some slick shit. Like, he's like, I'm the provisional president of Africa. You know, some real kind of funny, like, and, uh, but that was him. You know, he could speak well. He can gather people. That was him and his time. We got a brother today in our generation, right? Because we didn't see Garvey. But we got a brother of our day. Um, he's kind of very similar to Garvey because Garvey, again, he can galvanize the people. You know, he had like a cruise line. He was running around to get the money for and all this and all that. And um, I don't know what happened to that cruise line. I think it's called Black Star Line. I don't think nothing ever came of it. He just raised the money and this and that. He went to jail. And then one of the devils at the highest level, he got a pardon from the president when he went to the camp. Imagine that, right? Imagine that. Maybe that's a different story for a different day. But that was his soul moving around in that generation. Today, though, in our generation, we got another guy. Very, very similar to Garvey. Powerful speaker. His name is Dr. Umar Johnson, right? And, you know, Dr. Umar Johnson, in fact, he wants to build a school. And he's going to name it the Frederick Douglass and the Marcus Garvey Academy, right? He's going to, that's what he's going to name the school. But, you know, they've got very similar stories when you kind of look at it, you know, because just like, you know, Garvey is from the Caribbean, you know, Umar is from the Caribbeans too. His family is from uh, that part of the Americas, they're from Cuba, right? That's where his bloodline comes from. So you got two guys, both original men from the Americas, that's telling the people all about Africa. Marcus Garvey calls himself again the provisional president of Africa. He didn't talk to none of the African states, heads of states. He didn't talk to none of the chiefs on the ground, nothing, nobody. He just made it up himself, and then he just rolled with it. He's 100% from the Americas, but that's that's how the play works. Same with Umar Johnson. He's 100% from the Americas, but what did he call himself? You know, I'm the prince of Pan-Africanism. I'm the prince of Pan-Africanism. But the, the Negro from Philadelphia, though, like, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like Garvey was raising that money for the Black Star Line, he go, I'm gonna get a get cruise ship, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you back to another place. You know, if I'm not mistaken, Garvey died in Europe, right? All that African stuff, you know, he sold you on, he did something different, but you know, that's how it kind of goes. Doctor Umar Johnson, though, he's selling you on the school. I want to get the money for the school. I want to get the money for the school, and I gave the brother the money for the school. Whether he do what's right with the money, that's not my business, but I did it. But this story, though. It's kind of like very similar, very good speakers can galvanize a crowd, but that's the formula that they go in. American Negroes telling that you from somewhere else, but the people that they're teaching us about the African and we love our African brothers and sisters, right? We love our cousins. They're not coming over here telling us about nothing about no Africa, right? Just e even going back to the original statement, we're talking about Godfrey. Godfrey is Nigerian. You got American Negroes that'd be dumb enough. Now, check this out. We are dumb enough to stand in front of him. He's a Nigerian. He's from Igbo. He's an Igbo guy, right? But when we meet him, see, these Africans are slick. They use that term Africa as a bridge word for you because they know you don't know who you are. So when you say you, you know, but again, we'll be stupid enough to stand in front of a guy like Godfrey say, Godfrey say, yeah, I'm African. He's not really African. He just used that word to bridge to you. He's really Igbo because Africans really don't call themselves Africans. They just do that in front of you because they know you're lost. So they just playing along with you. You know, you're in the fairy tale world. So they tell you, yo, 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 Godfrey say he's African. Then you would say I'm African, too. And then when that happens, 
you know, because these Nigerian brothers, they play that game with us. They say, man, you know, they we got the same paint job. And then he say he's African. And then you're stupid enough to say you're African, too. And then all of a sudden, bang, he's going to sell you a Rolex watch for $20. <laughs> Cause you don't know no better. Yo, I'm a I'm gonna read a piece and then we're gonna close out, right? This is from Time Magazine.com. 1619, they say the first slave ship came from Angola, right? And it goes down to say that the, the Portuguese was beefing with the uh a Dango tribe, I suppose, right? And then out of this, they captured 350 slaves on a Portuguese ship, right? But in totality, between 1618 and 1620, they enslaved 50,000 Africans. Okay. They put this in time. This is an American publication. Now, the American Negro can read this four and five times, and he would not, it won't. He won't question nothing. This would be 100% factual, but it, it, it should be because he's programmed. You know, he's, you know, our people here are programmed. So he it won't even hit him to think to himself, how in the hell do you round up and take 50,000 prisoners in two years? That doesn't make any sense to anybody. Okay, so in the 1618, the 1620, the devil could come tell you that 50,000 people can be rounded forcibly now, rounded up and slave and put on wooden ships that just sailed. They didn't have no engine in them, right? Dig this, dig this, dig this. They gave our people a picture of the slave ship and the slave ship, everybody's laying down like sardines. You got to be stupid enough to believe that that's real picture. How long does it take to stack that? Um, how long does it really take to stack that? ship like sardines with people that's number one number two they all chain down and they land on their back right so can you imagine you know when the steamship right steamboats with an engine in it it took them three months to get from west africa to the americas three months with an engine but this sail ship probably could get there about four and a half months but you putting all this weight on there this human cargo it's going to take a little longer right but maybe that's a different story for a different day because you don't think so they can tell you anything. Everybody's laying down in a slave ship. Now, they don't teach you how you was fed. They don't teach you. You're using the bathroom. You're pissing and shitting on each other. And then you're laying on your back. That wood is going to kill you. You cannot lay down. You know, you can go to, check this out. You can go to a nursing home. You can lay down in a bed. That's soft and nice and fluffy for over a week in your back and have sores on it, right? The elders and seniors can attest to that. But you're going to tell us that you're going to put these half-naked people and you're going to lay them down on some wood. And they're going to be laying down, chained down for five months straight coming across. And you believe that story. I just don't believe it because it don't make any sense. They're using the bathroom on each other. They have emotion sickness. They're vomiting on each other. And then after all that, they're not eating properly. You showed me that they was in a dungeon before they even got to the slave ship. So they was in a dungeon for two or three weeks. And then you put them on the ship for another five months. Yo, that story doesn't even make any sense. But they told it to you because you're going to believe it. And once you believe anything, I can sell you anything. So let's go back to the slave story story though, right? Let's go back to the story. So you get on the ship and they bring you to the Americas. So you get on the ship in June and it takes five months, six months. So you get to the Americas late fall, early winter and you have naked and you ain't eat nothing. And they don't teach you about the amount of insects that's at the bottom, you know, roaches and mice eating on your skin. And you pass around diseases down there because it's urine and feces. Nobody's down there to clean up the mess. You know, it ain't no bottle of water at this point. You don't think they just told you anything. And then you got to the Americas and it was early, you know, late fall, early winter. And you have naked. Where did they put you at? You didn't have the clothes on. You just left Mother Africa, right? Yo, I'm finna show you the parallel. Because like we say on this podcast, man, if I can teach you anything and you believe anything, I can sell you anything. When you go to the American Negro community, 
if that community believes that they're African and they're African American and they think they came over here on a slave ship, I can tell you what's in their neighborhoods. Check cash in places gonna be in their neighborhood. Title loan places gonna be in their neighborhood. Uh, foreigners gonna run all their business. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Arab can come in and run the grocery stores. You know what I'm saying? He can. The Arab can come in and sell you pork. You know what I'm saying? You know he himself is a Muslim. The Arab I'm talking about. He don't even supposed to touch pork. But you're an American Negro. You're slow. You want to be everybody but yourself. So he could he'll touch it to sell it to you, but he won't use it, right? Then you got the Koreans and the Asians can come in and sell you beef and broccoli all day and with chicken wings and all this kind of stuff. Because, see, you're so slow as the American Negro. Once you believe in the slave ship theory, the rest of the world know you're so stupid. You're like liquid cash at this point. They can sell you anything. You're the trap house. You, you look in front of, yo, you look in Nigerian's face. And you think this Nigerian is your brother. He's our brother in like in the respect of that we got the same paint job. But to him, you're not really his brother. You just got the same paint job. And he can sell you a Rolex watch for $20. And you're stupid enough to buy it because you're the American Negro. So you don't know no better. You believe once they sold you that slave ship, they can sell you anything after that. You buy that story, you're going to buy everything else. And when every nation around here on the planet wants to come up you know what they say take me to the negro's homeland in america because if i can get around him i can get rich because he don't know no better that's why they're in your neighborhood that's why everybody everybody that's talking about you go to a, a community that say that they're africans and they're really american negroes that's a 500 credit score community everybody in that community got 500 credit scores <laughs> i'm just being straight with you, you know what I'm they just don't know no better. You can sell them anything. You can sell them women nails. You can sell them fake hair. You can sell because they want to be every single thing but themselves. I taught you you came here on the ship. Brother, I can sell you anything. Sis, I can sell you anything at this point. You buy it. You go for anything. You're gullible. You're the trap house. The messenger told us like this, and I'm going to close out. This is how the messenger taught us about the slave trade, right? There were two types of African Negroes that got on that ship, right? Two types. The messenger said the devil came to Africa and then he came to India, right? He told our people, because this is what the slavers did. He told our people you would make more money in a foreign land than your own land. So what the devil did when he came as a slaver, he brought the ship. He communicated with the chiefs first. So it really wasn't a slave trade. It's really a gun trade. Because that devil, he wanted three things. He wanted men, women, and children. But he's willing to give you the gun for the people. And then he was selling to the people this. He was telling the people like, yo, again, I just need a moment of time to speak to your people through a translator, through an interpreter, as the message to say. And he said, the interpreter told them, listen, you guys can make more money. Pardon me. You guys can make more gold in a foreign land than your own land. So the devil tells you today, America is what he say. It's the land of opportunity. So he go around the world. He was selling this to our African cousins and brothers and sisters over there. Right. He was selling that to them. That's how he got the bulk of the people on the ship. The people that you see in chains was the was the debtors. This is what Cujo Lewis was talking about in Black Cargo. When an African chief would come along. He'd take reign of a territory. He'd provide a new tax for the people. Those that didn't want to pay that tax, right, they would be jailed and ultimately sold to the Portuguese. Cujo Lewis tell that story in Black Cargo. Now, I got Black Cargo on my page, the whole audio, free of charge. You can listen to it free of charge. I want my people to know what's going on. You can't remove hundreds of millions of people forcibly. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody believes something that's stupid but the American Negro. But that's how the messenger taught us. Okay, now today, because that was that was in the 15, 16, and 17, and 1800s. Now the devil has a new plan. He's still selling America off as a land of opportunity. But instead of saying you could get more gold in a foreign land than your own land, he tells them you would get more money 
in the foreign land than in your own land. So he had foreigners coming all around the world to come to the Americas so they can attain money. But the question is, who are they going to get the money from when they get here? The answer is they're going to get the money from the American Negro because it's the American Negro who don't know no better and going to give his money to everybody. Peace and black power to your family. Thank you, God, for hanging out with us, man. Thank you, God, for listening. Ain't nothing but some real talk over here, man. Real black content is for podcast, man. It's Big VJ, man. I get it with you guys later. Peace. The Islanders. Is that it? Who are they, Kevin? And they're from South America, right? Or like the Guyanas. Yeah. The Guyanas. Well, who are they? I'm not sure. <laughs> you have to do your history, friend. Yeah. Where do you think the black people here come from? I don't. It's either. I, I'm not sure. It's either like slave, slave ship or they came from Africa, right? What do you think? We've never been Africa. Yeah, there's, they don't really say on the... We're not, we're not with the Africans. We are the Caribs. Right. We are the Caribs. Our, our, our ancestors are the Caribs. We man this. We control this. We inhabited this. Yeah. The sea was named for us, the Caribbean. We are the Caribs. The Africans came after. The Africans came... After the Africans came after.